Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Hopefully um, you are already listening to Christmas music and enjoying fun things. Um, like Sam mentioned earlier, we are starting our Christmas season, which means we have a new sermon series. All right, we are talking, um, we're looking at different songs that people sing in the Bible about Jesus, songs of promise. We're going to be looking at that. Um, but tonight, I have the great honor to welcome a guest speaker for us tonight. You may have seen him, you may have heard him uh, behind a guitar singing with melodious vocals um, at summer camp. And if you were at summer camp, Yes, you would have heard his voice, um, but some of you may not know that he actually speaks words and can preach the Bible. In fact, he does it all over the world. <laughs> uh, he uh, has a mission organization called the Jesus Mission. They travel all over the world to tell people about Jesus. That's his job. He loves to talk about Jesus. So, welcome, Mr. Andy Ziesmer, to the stage. Thank you, Courtney. Welcome. How are you guys? Cool. Can I be down here? Is that not enough light? All right. Are you guys good? Are you awake? Are you ready? Are you? I literally just broke this thing, so just, it'll just be there. But to, how are you guys doing? Are you awake? Are you ready? I think I got distracted by the broken thing. Songs. We're talking about songs of promise tonight. Isn't that exciting? You guys love to sing, right? I, saw, I heard some of you singing just a few minutes ago. Uh, so... She kind of gave you an introduction, but I'll, I'll kind of give you guys a little bit more of what I do before we get in. Is that okay? Can I tell you some stories? Not stories, just what we do. So I have spent the last 15 years touring in a rock band. Since I was 18 years old, I started touring. I got in a van and we just started driving around the country and playing songs and rock shows. And we'd play like in dirty bars and then we'd go to prisons and play. And sometimes we'd play at youth groups and we'd play all kinds of different spots. Wherever we went though, the purpose was always to use music as a means to share the hope of the gospel. Does that make sense? There's a thing we use and we use it to share the hope of the gospel. And so our band started traveling and we would go all over the place. Um, and then in 2010, we got invited to go to France, which you guys have heard of France. They have baguettes and uh, more baguettes and some cheese. It's delicious. So we went to France for the first time in 2010 and our band was just literally doing any random thing we could. One night we were playing like this little club in Paris and another night we're like standing in front of the Eiffel Tower literally just playing songs like to gather a crowd and then we'd share the gospel between the songs. Everything we were doing as a band was for the sole purpose of sharing how Jesus had transformed our lives. Because it's, it's, it's easy to sing. We even talked about this at, at, at summer camp if you were there. It's easy to sing when we understand what we're singing about, right? It, it should be almost hard not to sing. It should become almost impossible not for us to open our mouths, our voices, lift up our voices and declare what we know is true about God. And that's why we were using a rock band to go and share the gospel. Make sense? You tracking? So, uh, a Jesus mission, she kind of told you we do missions now. A Jesus mission is basically uh, just a bunch of people. We have about 50 
um, missionaries and musicians and different staff that go out using music. Um, we have people that use coffee. We have people that are more what you would consider like a traditional missionary. They're living in a city to just get to know the people in their city and having them over for dinner and sharing the gospel that way. Whatever the method is, it doesn't matter because the mission never changes, right? Does, does that make sense? The mission never changes. It is static. But the method we're using, it doesn't matter. And so we send out missionaries using all these random different methods to go and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> because that, that is news worth telling, right? Does it, that should... That should the answer is right. That is news worth telling when we understand who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. And we're going to talk about tonight a lot of different things here. We're going to, we're going to take a fat chunk of scripture. Can you handle that? I know you guys, you guys can handle that here. If anywhere can, citizens can. We are coming into Advent, right? Into Christmas season, into this time over the next four, what is it, four weeks or five weeks till Christmas? Four. Yeah, it's like four weeks until Christmas-ish. The next four weeks of our lives and church and all these things, you're going to hear the words Advent. We're going to talk about the, 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 the purpose of Christmas and the reason why we celebrate Christmas, right? Advent comes from the Latin word advent, adventus, ad, adventus. Don't Google it. No, I, I'm, I'm just showing. I, it, it means coming. It means it, something is coming. It's an expectation word. And, and we celebrate Christmas because of what? The coming of Christ, right? The coming of Jesus. That makes sense? You're hard to see. It's hard to see your faces, but I see nodding. Okay, like little nods. Good. So we are celebrating for the next four weeks. Well, we celebrate all the time. But for the next four weeks specifically, the church has set aside this time to celebrate the coming of Christ. But not just the coming of Jesus to earth as a humble uh, baby in a, in a, in a, in a manger. We're, we're celebrating also what we're looking forward to. Does that make sense? We're celebrating now what we know is coming. We're celebrating the return of Jesus. We're celebrating what we believe to be true. And that's what we're going to look at tonight in this scripture. Um, so... Can we just dive in? I know we got limited time. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna waste your time, but I wanna cover a lot of ground tonight because I think this is gonna be an incredible picture of the gospel. And so let's just, let's just get right to it. Here's the deal. We're teaching out of 1 Samuel uh, chapter two tonight. You got your Bibles? Open them up. You go to Genesis and you go right a few pages past Eticus, Eticus, Exodus, Leviticus, <laughs> <laughs> you'll end up at 1 Samuel. It's after the book of Ruth. And what I want us to do, because we're going to look at Hannah, who is the character singing right here and, and declaring praise, but we're going to go backwards real fast. And I'm going to almost, it's like a living room. We can just tell stories and cuddle. No cuddling. Don't cuddle. This is youth group. Don't cuddle. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to tell stories. We have a, like a Christmas tree. We can sit around and what I want us to do is understand why Hannah is celebrating and why she's singing in chapter two. So can I read you chapter one, almost like a story? Like, I don't think the words are going to be up there, but if you have your Bible, we're going to read a lot of weird names and uh, we're going to hear this story. And I'm going to pull out just a couple things as we get to what Hannah is singing about tonight. I'm going to read from the ESV, but I'm going to pray real fast that the Lord would just bless this time. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your goodness. Father, that you allow broken, wretched people like us to stand here tonight in your presence. 
We thank you for what Jesus did on the cross so that we can come and, and be a part of the family of God. We thank you that the word is true. We believe the gospel tonight is true, which is why we teach it. It's why we open the word. It's why we dissect it. So tonight, God, would you, through your word, reveal yourself to us? God, give us confidence in knowing that what we read is, is truth and, and, and that you are who you say you are. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done and what you will do in the future. We are excited to read your word tonight. In your name we pray, amen. So I'm gonna start at verse one, good? I'm gonna read chapter one kind of like a story. It's a lot, but we're gonna, we're gonna go through kind of fast. If you don't speak English, I apologize. I talk fast English. Um, but most of you probably speak English because you're here. All right, verse one. There was a certain man of Ramathium Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim. Those are nice names whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf. Imagine that poor guy. Uh, an Ephraite. Ephrathite. Ephrathite. He had two wives. Here's where we start to understand the story. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other, Peninnah. There's two ends. I don't know how to say that. Peninnah. Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. You see how Hannah's, where Hannah's sitting right now? Her, the other wife, Peninnah, had children, and Hannah had no children. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. There were two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. That means she couldn't have kids. But what I think is interesting right here is it says, though the Lord had closed her womb. God already knew her circumstance in the beginning of the story, right? Picking up in verse six, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival is the other wife, Penaniah. Because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and could not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than 10 sons? He loves her, right? You see this in the story here. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorstep of the temple of the Lord. She, Hannah, was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli Remember he's sitting on the steps? Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as worthless. For as long as I've been speaking out, 
For, for all along, I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. She's, she's literally pleading before God. She's brokenhearted, right? You see this in the story. She's crying out, God, please give me a son. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Or, sorry, I'm, I skipped a verse. Then Eli answered, verse 17, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. <laughs> How, I, I think it's interesting that that Peace is in this text. Her face was no longer sad. She ate. Her face was no longer sad. What happened in that moment? As she was crying out and praying to God, that there was a promise that was made, right? You see the, the, the priest goes, go, like, he says, um, go in peace, the God of Israel, grant your petition that you have made to him. H- how often do I pray for the things that I need or desire or long for with that type of, type of prayer, with that vexation, with that anxiety, with that tenacity? How often do I pray to God like that? But then when I get this, this promise in the word of God, I have, there's all these promises from the word of God, right? <laughs> and how, how, when, I, when I receive that promise, it says here, she, she ate and went her way and her face was no longer sad. I think that's interesting because it shows she has a confidence in the promise of God. In verse 19, it says, they rose early in the morning and worshiped the Lord and they went back to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, or knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Samuel for she said, I have asked him from the Lord. How cool is that? Her promise was answered here. Her prayer was answered. Then man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, as soon as a child is weaned, I'll bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained, nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an epaph of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought it to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli. (laughs) And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, And the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. The ESV uses the word lent. A lot of the other translations, like New King James Version or uh, Christian Standard Version, they say given. She was giving him back to the Lord. Does that make sense? So the promise was delivered on, and now is where we are really going to get into this. This is where it gets exciting, because we're going to look now at Hannah's song. She's, she's there to worship the Lord. She's given the promised son back to God, and she's going to sing this song. <laughs> this is where it gets really cool. <clears throat> and here, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you what we're going to find here, because I don't think there's any reason to be mysterious in approaching this. We're going to find that the, the, the promised king of salvation we know who that is. If, we've, if you've ever been in a room like this or you've ever heard uh, about the Bible, we know the person of Jesus, right? The, the, the reason we're singing and, and having Advent is because we know about the person of Jesus. Right here, we begin to see the promised king, the promised son, the promise of salvation 
occur even in Hannah's song. And I think that's incredibly cool. So we're going to just look at this and we're going to rip this apart a little more. Is that okay? You good? Are you awake still? Tracking? Okay. I think that's a really cool story. I know that took up a couple minutes, but I wanted you to know why Hannah cared so deeply about this and what she's singing from. And so we're going to sing, we're going to, we're going to sing. We'll do that later. We're going to dig into this. Starting in chapter two, verse one, I think they'll put it up there. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. (laughs) My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. (laughs) You see where she's, who she's singing to all of a sudden right now? She's singing to God, obviously. But there's a couple things we should look at. She says, my heart exalts in the Lord. We don't really use that word in our, I say it all the time. Sarah make, makes me coffee in the morning. I'm like, oh, I'm exulting in this coffee. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You don't laugh at my jokes. That's okay. Just some slight chuckles. I was homeschooled, so my jokes might be a little, a little lame, but I, I'm proud of that. Hannah exults in the Lord. She's rejoicing in the Lord. <laughs> and she's finding that her strength Look at this. This is interesting. It says, my strength is exalted in the Lord. Remember earlier in the song, it literally said she was like broken. She had no strength. She was crying out to God. But now (laughs) she's expressing joy in the light of the promise that was kept. Does that make sense? Hannah is expressing joy in light of the promise that had been kept. Her strength is returned to her and she's, she's rejoicing in the Lord. And then it says, my mouth derides, in the ESV it says, my mouth derides my enemies. Other translations say, um, like this New King James or the uh, CSB or NIV, they might say boasts. One one of them, I think it's New King James says, my heart smiles at my enemies. (laughs) I, this is something that we should, we should take note of here in a second. If you remember, Remember, her, who is her enemy here? Look back, the, the other wife, Penaniah, right, was mocking her for not being able to have a child. She was mocking her every year. That was what broke her heart. And yet here we're saying she, she's like, my mouth derides, my mouth smiles at my enemies. She knows, <laughs> even in the light of their mocking, the Lord was faithful, right? She said, this is really cool because she's, we'll, we'll read this next part and then we'll talk about this. Go to verse two here. Because I rejoice in your salvation, there is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. (laughs) Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. (laughs) This is where it's really interesting. She is uh, responding to the mockery that she'd had, right? to the mocking that was done of her for not being able to have a child. But she knows the promise was delivered that was given to her. <laughs> She's not boasting or, or deriding in her enemy or smiling in her enemy in an in a arrogant sense. She's boasting in what, Jesus, in what God had done, right? She's boasting in what God had done. She's expressing confidence in God. 
It's, it's not her accomplishment that gave her this promised son, right? Her, her, she, was, she had zero power to do anything. In fact, we know God had closed her womb. He had, he had sovereignly closed her womb and not even allowed her to have a child. But then she came and she petitioned God and she cried out to God and he the promise was made, the promise was kept. Now she's boasting in the light of her enemy's face not to say, ha ha, look, look at what I have and now that you've been mocking me, look what I have. She's going, no, look what God has done. She's boasting about what God had done for her. <laughs> I, I want us to look, <clears throat> when, when I read that, I immediately thought of this text in Ephesians chapter two. So you, they're gonna put it up there, I think. But if you have your Bible, turn to this. <clears throat> This is where we're going to start to see the gospel come into view. And this is what gets me really, this is where it starts to get good. Are you ready for the good part? (laughs) This this story is incredible, but this is where it starts to get good because she's boasting in what God had done. In Ephesians 2 verse 4, I'll read it. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. (laughs) By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated. uh, And by grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable, the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward, in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. You see the boast, see, see how this is lining up here? Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He is boasting not in his accomplishment when Paul's writing this letter to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, he's not boasting in his accomplishment. He's boasting in what Jesus did, right? Here, Hannah is boasting in 1 Samuel 2 in what God has done. (laughs) Hmm. That gets me excited, even just thinking about that one part right there. That should, we could just stop right there and go home. We can boast in what God has done. That's why we're singing and we're looking at these songs of promise. We're looking at how God makes a promise and he keeps a promise. <laughs> Hannah prayed and God, God answered her promise here. So let's move on. We're gonna read verse four through eight here. She kind of changes what she's singing about here and, I'll, and, and you'll understand why in a second. This first part of her song, she is celebrating a promise that's been kept. She's, she's boasting in a promise that's been kept by God. Here she starts to talk about God. <clears throat> in verse four, it says, the bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble blind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. Those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven. <laughs> Barren means not able to have a kid. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. (laughs) The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. 
He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. (laughs) This is really, if you're following along here, this is where it really starts to get exciting because look at this. There's there's so many things we could pull out of this, but I'm gonna pull just a couple right here. (laughs) Hannah is singing, First and foremost, I want to say this. Hannah's singing this part because she knows she serves a God who takes this circumstance and flips it upside down. (laughs) All of those things. He makes poor rich and he makes rich poor and he makes the lowly be exalted and he makes the high come down. She's saying, I know my God reverses circumstances. (laughs) I know my God reverses circumstances. He can turn them upside down. In here, we start to see the picture of the, the coming promise, the picture of, the, of Jesus coming into light right here. Even as she sings, she says, um, he raises the poor from the dust. Uh, wait for it. Verse seven, six and seven. <laughs> the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. Who do you know that later is raised to life? <laughs> Jesus. We're seeing the picture of Jesus even coming into light here going, there's a circumstance and it can be reversed. God is going to send a promised son named Jesus and he's going to, he will be crucified. He'll have nails put in his hands and a spear in his side and thorns pushed into his head and he would be put in a grave. But we know, we know he comes back to life, right? He comes up from the grave. That's something we can get excited about. That should be hard for us not to get excited when we understand this. She's aware that God reverses circumstances. She's responding in this song to how God kept his promise, right? She's responding to how God kept his promise. And now this is where it really starts to get exciting. I get kind of jacked up on this stuff. If you can't tell, I I get excited about who Jesus is. That's why we go overseas. That's why we leave our homes to go share the hope of the gospel with other people. Because it, it matters. <laughs> hmm. We're starting to see the ultimate king, <laughs> the ultimate son, the ultimate promise be revealed, right? You, are you tracking with me? We're starting to see that be revealed here. And, and it's really cool because there's other songs in the Bible that parallel this almost perfectly. In fact, in the coming weeks, I think you're going to hear um, uh, in, in service and maybe even in here reference to Luke chapter one. I was here a couple weeks ago when Andrew uh, taught Luke chapter one verses one through four or something. And it was really cool because he's starting to dig into the, the coming of Jesus, right? <laughs> the, the promise of Jesus. We, we, in, in Luke chapter one, there's another son. That's in Luke chapter one, there's another son that's promised and another song that is sung. And it's Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. She sings a song. And I'm not gonna read that tonight. I encourage you though, go read um, Luke chapter one this week and look at this other song of promise. <laughs> it, should, it should stir our hearts when we understand the hope we have in Jesus. Hmm. So as we read through this, as we see Hannah's celebrating in light of a promise and her boasting in the one who, in her, in her boasting of the, in the, in the, the deliverance of the promise by God and in her saying, I serve a God who reverses circumstances. 
we're going to move on to the rest of this here, starting in verse 9. And then, or verse 8 and 9 here. Yeah, verse 9, I'll, I'll, I read 8. This is what I want us to look at here. Hannah's starting to look forward to the future promise. <laughs> Hannah's looking. She, she's like, look at what God has done. This is who God is. There's a future hope. There's a future promise. And she starts to look at that here in verses 9 and 10. And so I'm going to look at them right here. It says, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones. He will guard. That's a future promise that Hannah's singing about, right? We know he will guard the feet of his faithful one. Those are the people of God. But the wicked ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. That's any, those are the people who oppose God. Those are people who don't respond to the gospel. Those who oppose God, he will cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. We already kind of looked at this. It's not by her, her capacity to do something that she's boasting. It's not in our capacity that we can, can do anything <laughs> in terms of eternity. It's, 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 there's nothing we can do in terms of eternity other than put our hope in the person of Jesus Christ. She carries on, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Again, shall be. She's looking forward. The adversaries of the Lord, she knows. I serve a God who's gonna, who, who comes through. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them, he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. (laughs) There's a future tense to all of these things. And this is where we start to see, again, the, the promises of God that are, that are sure and that are made. There's a future tense to these things. You see, this is, in this verse, this is kind of interesting. I studied this and read this and learned this this week. The Lord will judge to the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. This is one of the first times in the Bible we see the word king. This is where kingship, where someone in authority over people in this context, they had judges and they had people that uh, ruled, but this is where we start to see a king come into promise. And all throughout the Old Testament, in fact, later on, Samuel, the guy who was born, (laughs) later on he becomes a judge and he anoints Saul to be king. You've probably heard his name. He anoints David to become king. Saul begins to anoint kings partly at the request at the request of the people because they're saying we need someone to govern us we need a king we need someone in charge here we need someone and God's saying I I have the perfect person for you but people are going no we need something now we need this we need this and people are longing for a king all throughout the bible in the old testament we see people longing for and striving for a a way to accomplish their eternal security, their, their future by the keeping of the laws and by all of these things. While Jesus is, while God is saying, I have Jesus coming for you. People are longing for a king all around us today. And this is where I, I think our response to this, we will sing in a little bit and we're going to declare what we know to be true. But I believe that this text the Advent season, the opportunity to talk about Christmas and to talk about why we believe these things, this is a missional opportunity for us because there are so many people in our lives who we meet and know who have never heard the hope of the gospel, guys. I, I just, I, this isn't in my thought process here, but I'm 33 years old and when I was 28, this story always comes to my mind when I think about people 
sharing Jesus. It, I was sitting at a uh, Starbucks, like not too far from here, and some old guy sat down across from me, and he had like a book in his hand or a newspaper or something. He puts it on his shoulder, and he just kind of sits like in the comfy chair right across from me, and just stares at me, like hey. And I was reading, and I knew he wasn't going to stop until I put my book down. And so when I finally did, immediately he starts telling me about Jesus. It was not the most eloquent presentation of the gospel I've ever heard. But he started telling me about Jesus and I realized as he was talking to me, I thought, this is the first time anyone has ever sat down and assumed I don't know who Jesus is. In fact, since then, that was the only person in my whole life to ever tell me about Jesus I grew up in a home where my family loved Jesus and they taught me the Bible. I grew up in a, a church that uh, like, taught me the Bible my whole life. But if I hadn't grown up in that family, that was the only person. One 70-year-old dude with a weird hat is the only person who ever assumed that I didn't know who Jesus was. Who didn't, who, he, he was sure of the promise of the coming Savior. That old guy was sure of the promise and he was like, I have to tell this I don't even know how to describe myself. That guy sitting there at Starbucks, I have to tell that guy about the hope of the gospel. And so he sat down. I think he told me about like Noah's Ark or something. It was kind of like, he, he, at the end of the day, he was trying to tell me about Jesus. So when we understand that we serve a God who delivers on his promises, <laughs> we should want to tell those around us who've never heard about the gospel. It should be, it should be, in our DNA to want to tell, like Hannah's singing. She's not, this doesn't say she's like subtly praying in the corner, like, my God is the God who keeps his promises. She's singing, she's declaring, she's, she's saying this is true. <laughs> in the light of a kept promise, she's singing about the future promise and she's, she's with expectation declaring who God is. <laughs> so our response, like Hannah should be, to tell of our surety. Were any of you in there a couple weeks ago when Andrew taught on Luke chapter one? A couple of you, okay. He, well, I'll tell you why I ask. In Luke one, I think verse four, he's talking, the author of Luke, uh, Luke. <laughs> I was like, uh, wait, uh, that's too easy. Um, he's writing to Theophilus and he says, I write this so you can be sure of what you've heard. He's, he's giving us the witness of Jesus so we can be sure of what, or that guy could be, or those, those people could be sure Andrew said something like, to be sure of what they're sure of what they're sure of. <laughs> I like the way he said that. Like, there is certainty in this thing. And so uh, Hannah's sure of this promise, right? <laughs> Our confidence in the gospel should be evidently, we should be so assured of it that we, in, in knowing that God keeps his promises, that we want to tell those around us. And what greater opportunity during Advent, during Christmas season, when we're celebrating the coming of Jesus, we're celebrating the promise, right? We're celebrating that God kept his promise and he sent Jesus to die for us. And we're also looking forward and celebrating the coming king. <laughs> but while we are expecting the future and the return of Jesus and we're expecting like, that God keeps his promises in the future, we should be telling that God keeps his promises. If you are one who knows God keeps his promises, if you're one who knows of Jesus and your life has been transformed by Jesus, you should be telling others. Because we should be inviting others to partake in the promise. <laughs> I think one of the easiest ways for us to do that, 
just to make this really simple, one of the easiest ways for us to do that right now is as the holiday seasons kind of come upon us here, we start hanging out with more people, right? You have like parties over here and a thing over here and then you go to dinner over here and maybe you're like, I don't have work parties because I'm 14. But regardless, you're going somewhere and you're hanging out with someone. Those relationships are the perfect opportunity to begin sharing the hope you have in Jesus, right? Does that make sense? Those relationships are the easiest place for you to start. (laughs) We have been told to bear witness to who God is, to who Jesus was, right? Luke wrote, I'm writing this so you can be sure of what you've been, what you've heard. The easiest way for you to be a witness is for your life to bear witness in its transformation. Does that make sense? You were this, but then you encountered Jesus, and now your life has been transformed. Um, I recently, this has been a lifelong dream of mine, and it, it came true just like three weeks ago. It was so cool, I got selected for jury duty. Some of you don't have any care in the world about that, but I have wanted to be on jury duty my whole life. I've been summoned four times, once to federal court in like Seattle, and it was like, this is it. I'm gonna get the big case. I had been summoned to jury duty and then I didn't get picked, so I just had to stay home. But this last, couple, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I got picked to be on a jury. And there's like 40 people and they pick the people that they think will just judge bias or unbiasedly. And so I got picked to be on this jury. And what I loved was watching how everything, whether this guy went to jail or not when I was in the courtroom, depended on the words of the witnesses that came and sat on the stand. You've seen like a, a movie, I'm sure, with, with people who come and sit on a, you know, you know how court works, right? You're all in school, I think. Maybe you talk about court in school. I'm getting a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. In court, I was on the jury. We were one of 12 people and we were supposed to be convinced of whatever had happened, the crime, if, if it had happened or not, based on what the people who witnessed it, who saw it with their eyes, had seen, <laughs> And so I got to sit there. We ended up sending the dude to jail for five years. What? I got to help send a guy to jail. That was weird. But point being, he couldn't have gone to jail if all these witnesses hadn't have been there and said, yeah, he did that. I saw it. He knew he broke the law. I saw it. He did that. I, like the power of that witness is what's, what condemned that guy. <laughs> While you and I, we have the power of the witness of what we've seen Jesus do to give life to those who are suffering, to give life to those who are hopeless, to, to, to tell of how Jesus does transform lives. That's, that's the opportunity we have. We get to bear witness. We get to be the witness for who Jesus is. <laughs> that's, that's our response. That's the appropriate response to this is that as Hannah sang that song, she's declaring, I know a God who keeps his promises. She's singing it. She's telling it. That's, that's our job, guys, <laughs> is to tell of the promise, to tell of how Jesus has transformed our lives. That might seem scary. I know some of, I think one of the things that holds a lot of people back from um, missions work or from even sharing the gospel, like you don't know what people are going to say next, right? <laughs> like, well, if I tell them about Jesus and they ask me a really hard question about uh, Leviticus 12, I don't know what I'll say. <laughs> like how many of us are, are held back from sharing the hope of the gospel because of fear of not even knowing what someone's going to say next? <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us. We should We should not be bound by that fear because we have a hope in the person of Jesus. We know the Holy Spirit will guide our words. If we're in the word of God, the Holy Spirit's gonna give us the words to speak. My my point is this. There's a song 
of promise. <laughs> and we, it is a promise that is sure and we can stand on it. The gospel is simple, that Jesus, the son of God came. We sing now because, uh, all, we sing Christmas songs. We have Advent because we know that God sent his son, Jesus, right? To a manger. You've heard the story probably. He comes lowly. He comes humbly. He comes in a way that people, it wasn't, it wasn't glorious and spectacular. He just came to earth. But that was the fulfillment of a promise. When we share the gospel, what we're telling people is that Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the universe, the one who put billions of stars in the sky, he knows exactly who you are and he loves you so much that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. And he rose again, he paid the price. We were separated from God by sin. (laughs) We were separated from God by sin and there needed to be a penalty a, a, a payment for that sin. And so God sent his son Jesus and he died and he, he rose again and he paid the price. With his blood, he paid the price so we can have life. Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. That's, that's it. <laughs> it's belief. It is, it is a confession that God, I know I need you. We respond appropriately to the gospel by telling the gospel. But Jesus came and that's what we're celebrating right now. But what we look forward to, what we celebrate that's coming is when Jesus returns, when, when the promised son returns again, it will not be humbly. <laughs> it will not be uh, quietly to a manger. <laughs> it, the, the, the world will know that the king has returned. The Bible says that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, we will sing, we will declare. The whole world will know that God is who he says he is. <laughs> we, we look forward to the future return of the king. <laughs> but we also celebrate right now who Jesus is and what he did. Does that make sense? Is that, a, is that uh, I'm excited. I, I just want to sing right now because I'm like, we, we have something to sing about. <laughs> that's, that's the word of God tonight. Is that... There's a promise and we serve a faithful God who delivers on his promises. <laughs> and Jesus came and, and we must tell those who we encounter who Jesus is. <laughs> it's, the, it's the hope of the gospel. And you and I have that. God allows broken people like us to share the hope of the gospel with others who don't yet know it. So God, as we thank you for who you are tonight, as we worship you for who you are, as we've already sung, as we've opened the word, as we declare who you are, would you be glorified tonight? God, it is, it is staggering that you love people like us. That God, you sent your son to die on a cross so we could have life. And Lord, we, we celebrate that tonight as we, as we worship, as we declare, as we sing. Be glorified. God, as we even head into the season, give us the, the, the boldness to, to, to tell the gospel. Give us the boldness to share with those we encounter. To bear witness to what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he did with our lives, God. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight singing together and, and celebrating together and even eating cookies or something together. Whatever it is we're doing, we do it together because we recognize you have transformed our lives. The gospel has transformed our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. You're awesome. Amen.